Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be speaking with Karen Bodoni. She's an entrepreneur and mother of eight, and she entered the political fray by running last year as a Republican in District 3. She was somewhat surprisingly able to garner 27.8% of the vote, despite having a campaign which was hampered by strict lockdowns on the Navajo Reservation. She now seeks the Republican nomination for governor, along with Jay Block, Greg Zanetti, Tim Walsh, and now Rebecca Dow as well. She's known as a staunch conservative who continues to build grassroots support based on a seemingly unwavering message of constitutionalism and individual liberty. She's going to be joining us today to dig into her vision of leading New Mexico forward during these tumultuous times. But as usual, before we get into that, Thad, are we supposed to be wishing happy birthday to someone or, or something? Well, yes. Absolutely. Um, after 15 years and $147 million in subsidies, Virgin Galactic had its maiden fight with its billionaire founder, Richard Branson, to go to the edge of space for about three minutes and then glide back down to Earth. The flight took off this morning at about seven-ish our time, um, and then uh, they actually did not uh, detach from the uh, ship that, or, or I guess the airplane that took them to altitude until yeah. about uh, nine-ish, and then they just went up, they floated around for about a minute and a half, and they landed, and everyone's giving everybody high fives and stuff. But yes, happy birthday, Richard Branson, yeah. you big, beautiful billionaire. And uh, also, thank you to the three governors uh, that has uh, that basically just gave subsidies to this company um also take a little time to pour a little bit out for the four people that died to get us to this point where now we will have two hundred fifty thousand dollar trips into just the outer reaches of space for about two three minutes and coming back down and hopefully trc will get and garner some business from this they need water more than i think space tourism personally but i don't know yeah, you know, and I, I was speaking to you a little bit about my frustrations with it, where we're in this world where we're constantly being beaten over the head and told that we need to reduce carbon. And I was laughing at, you know, the governor a bit. I was having a, a good chuckle. Where just, well, yeah, I mean, just yesterday she was she was apparently in Farmington, which was really yeah. I missed out. Did, did, did you go? Out, did you go out to visit? Yeah. No, I was. I, I, I did not. Okay. I, I know, I know, but I did not. Um, but, you know, trying to, you know, what did the, she use the word decarbonization? And meanwhile, you know, billionaire buddy is blowing through the equivalent of two years of energy for an average American family to take a three minute space flight for his birthday. We do live in the Hunger Games, and we are not in District. What is the Capital District? Nine? Uh, I don't know. Whatever it is. We're not in the Capital District, and we are the plebs. And so, yes, while she is up there and while we are dealing with the failing San Juan coal plant um, and also wanting to raid the um, Natural Resources Fund for more child tax credits and child care credits and subsidies and stuff like that. We're allowing them to basically burn whatever it is they need to burn to get millionaires and some billionaires yeah. into orbit. The irony. Yeah. Anyway. I no. think that's, that, that was pretty much my only real gripe that we, yeah. Can... I mean, other than, you know, Stephen Colbert giving really terrible commentary, also the live ah. feeds and the cameras not necessarily working on board. So we really didn't get a chance to see them. Hopefully they recorded something so that they can do some post-production. And so we can see them again, float for like two, three minutes and then fly. Well, yeah, and, you know, here's the thing is that I know we try to be positive and, and, you know, as, Many of you that know me know I'm just not an incredibly, uh, you know, glasses half full kind of guy. Pretty dour guy. Pretty black yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when when you see the rest of the New Mexican media just fawning over this, <laughs> I mean, Rachel Knapp from KRQE, what did she say? She said she had chills. Maybe she needs to get a COVID test. I, I don't know. Uh, possibly. Possibly, because those are one of the 150,000 um, 
symptoms of, of COVID infection. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I got chills. It was kind of cool for about a half a minute, you know, but it, it was kind of, let's keep this in perspective. There are only prepaid 600 of these flights scheduled over the next coming two to three years. It's not going to bring a whole hell of a lot of tourism to truth or consequences or to Southern New Mexico as a whole. We did spend on, you know, on paper, $147 million in 15 years as three governors, both Democrat and Republican, to get this to where it is now. And that is basically a billionaire played thing. So the populace in me is just like, uh, this kind of, you know, ill. But the, I don't know, the geek in me is just like, well, good, they finally did it. Oh, so, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I mean, I love geeks things. You know, the idea of uh, the advancement of science is always something that interests me. But it's it's the hypocrisy that yeah. continues to just make me grumble. So mm. anyway, let's so, let, let's let's, 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 let's good finish this. Yeah, yeah, we're good at that, right? Yeah, like let, let's let's get off this, man, and let's bring on our guest, man, because I want to hear some positivity <laughs> when it comes to how are we going to make New Mexico rise, and how are we going to do it at the from the grassroots level, and coming from a perspective of a Native American who has seen what unfettered socialism or paternalism has done and doesn't want New Mexico to fall into the same trap. So with no further ado, we bring on Karen Bagoni. How you doing, ma'am? How you doing? Good morning. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. I'm here. <laughs> All right. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Karen, Merritt Hamilton Allen, the director and owner of the PR firm Vox Optima, recently described you as being Trump Max. <laughs> compared you Poor to Marjorie. <laughs> yeah, she compared you to Marjorie Taylor Greene, pointed to you as being extreme and not having a legitimate chance of beating Michelle Lujan Grisham. What, what do you feel about the characterization of being Trump Max? Well, I find that they think I don't have a chance, but they keep giving me uh, publicity. I don't know. If I don't have no chance, then why they keep paying attention to me? That's the first question. Um, uh -huh. The second one is Trump Max. I guess if that's the label they want to give me, um, we'll run with it. Uh, we know how many people were actually supporters of Trump. And it's not because, you know, I was, uh, you know, ignorant and I had no idea what he was saying. Or I was actually looking at the economy and our finances, especially as business owners. Our lives were actually better when the Trump administration was in control. Uh, we made more money. Uh, insurance was better. The right to try was amazing, especially being in a place where medical for all is huge. And they want to, you know, push um, different types of experimental drugs upon you. And you don't want that, but you know you want to try this so the right to try was really huge for me also when he gave recognition to the missing murder of the indigenous women um, because it is an, uh, an aspect here on the reservation we are losing girls left and right uh, we just lost three more in Gallup we're looking for an in Farmington I think there was two more I shared their the police um, profiles uh, looking for them and so it is something that's really happening and no one really seems to recognize it or they just kind of stoop it under the rug but it's real here we are bleeding out and hemorrhaging um, lives uh, of Navajo people here and so when they call me Trump Max I keep thinking well isn't missing indigenous women important are we not um, you know human enough to actually be given protection of some kind? Um, do we not have the right to try these uh, medications and things that he, you know, so different policies that he did. So I was really um, adamant about reading his policies. I was always on the White House um, internet website and I always was looking at stuff what he was doing. And when he was cutting the red tape, it was really big for me. So the policies he was pushing worked, especially for New Mexico. I was watching it trickled down and it, it felt better. When, during the Obama years, um, I was a very complacent Republican and I bit down and thought, well, we're going to have to get through this. And the thing of difference is we let him, and he was extreme in some of his policies, but we let him do um, his job. And then when Trump came, they never let him do it. So we had to stand up and actually get our voices heard saying, wait a minute, you know, that's the president we elected. So we were fighting for for the right for a president just to work. So they want to call us extremists and Trump max. That's fine because you know what? He does love this country as I do. I do, you know, fly that flag whenever I can. Um, I believe in our military. I believe in the wall. And so his policies are really, um, they spoke to me. 
So for them to dismiss me like that, like I have no chance, um, <laughs> it makes me laugh because I'm thinking, well, you know what? I am making a, a difference. I'm on the ground and I'm pushing and people are listening. And if I was absolutely worthless and total trash, then why would they even pay attention to me? Why do people still email me? Why am I so busy? Why can't I get it back to everybody? Why can't I do every interview that's called upon me? It's because it's working. We are, we're creating a movement and we're trying to get our state back and save it from, you know, the socialist nightmare that's, you know, waiting for us at the end of this road. Yeah. And I think your perspective uniquely coming from the, the reservation, I think the, the biggest thing I learned when I first moved down here about God, some years ago is, is, is how life on the reservation is. And, you know, your first reaction is, it's like, we have to help these people. We have to do whatever. But then you, when you understand the legacy and how that's uniquely tied to the history of this state and the history of this country, I, 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 I I find that perspective enlightening. I tell friends back home all the time who talk about wanting reparations and stuff like that. And it's just like, well, yeah, maybe for past aggrieved wrongs, but you you, you got to come out here and kind of go to these reservations and kind of see what we see and notice how hard it is to build anything, how hard it is to do anything, right. how there's so much dependency and stuff like that. And that's, and I feel that that is seeping out, not just from the reservations, but to all aspects of life in New Mexico. And anyone who can come with that unique perspective and say, no, wait, stop helping us. Here's what we need to do. But at the same time, understand like, hey, I, I, I still represent my state. I, will, I still represent my nation. I still represent my, my, my people. I, I, kinda, I find that a little refreshing and I find it hard that the Republican Party wouldn't embrace you, your message. I mean, we live in the era of identity politics, so we're just going to have to understand that. But embrace your identity, embrace your patriotism, and embrace the fact that these insurgent candidates that who were moved by the MAGA movement might actually put new life into the state GOP. Right. And I actually um, agree with you. Um, I think the labeling system part was because we are in a very racial um, part of history, even though we don't want to admit it or we want to say we're fighting against it, but it's what they use to quit me all the time. But I keep telling the Republican Party, you know, since I ran CD3, that I would be the greatest weapon in patriotic in the in, in the realms of you know being a, a good patriot and a good American because I would be able to stop that kind of talk and that kind of rhetoric. But they won't pick it up. They won't pick me up. They will not under. They don't want to entertain it at all so the fact that i'm an american i just say you know what i'm going to stop you know playing around with this whole labeling system i'm going to stand up just as america just as an american sorry i'm getting tongue-tied today um <laughs> but when i go out and i left the reservation and i went east and i went to the the ranchers and, and the agriculture people and i started to speak and um we resonate and i never once said that we were different i, I speak directly to their spirits. And that's how I'm able to decipher what really aches in their heart and what they're really looking for. They're looking for just the American dream and prosperity and they're worried about their children and the generations to come. So it's very simple, but um, the Republican party doesn't want to make it simple. And it's for them, it's about control. And I refuse to be controlled because I've coming from a controlled environment. It's, it's not American. It's not fair. It's not constitutional. It's communistic when you think about control and those parameters. So, yeah, I keep telling people you cannot put a bridle on this wild horse. You can't. You've got to let her buck. Let her yeah. go. I mean, that's that seems to be another complaint about you is that you've said, just as you have there, in, in a lot of ways where you're not a party player. You're not somebody who's who's going to just do whatever the Republican Party tells you to do to get in line and and unite the party how do you do that and let's see there i go getting tongue-tied as well but <laughs> but how do you unite the party who seemingly doesn't want to work with you and you have said that you're not really interested in working with them right well it's not about the party so to speak you know so the national republican party oh definitely i i did invite them in to speak with me. I want to work with them. But it's the players in the state. Our state is so corrupt and they're they're all linked to each other and they're all kind of working together. And I've always heard stories about when the party um, coats come off and they do and they, they make um, 
agreements and deals, and that's where corruption is, is started and began. Um, and so the, the control measures of the Republican Party has been identified in the players because when I came out and I say, you know, I don't want to be um, controlled by the party, you start to see the one squirm. So I'm like, well, why am I making you nervous? You know, what am I saying that's so bad? It's not bad. I'm talking the truth. So when they look at me and they are afraid to um, uh, stand next to me, support me, and then I know, that okay, then why don't you? Why are you so scared? So the fear is a marker that they are not patriotic and they're not going to push this in the right direction. They're not going to push it into the direction that the people are so frustrated about. We want our country back. We want the Constitution to take take over and make sure it protects us the way it was intended to do. And we want the, the, the freedom to take care of our, our families and protect our families. We don't want our guns removed. We want to take care of our children. We want to, you know, have happiness. And the pursuit of happiness is basically the very nugget of what I'm trying to, I guess, convey to the party. But they're too, they're too wrapped up in control. Well, we can't do that. We can't sponsor you. We can't fund you. Um, you can't go here. You can't go there. When you enter a county, you have to call the county chair. You know, and I'm thinking, I don't have to do anything. Because what if I'm just visiting friends? Or what if I decide to drive somewhere and I want to go visit or I'm looking for information? It is none of their business what I'm really doing. So it's not about the party in general because I am a Republican through and through. I am a Republican since the inception of this, um, the, the, the morals and the basis that was founded upon, the abol uh, abolishment of slavery, um, the, the, the seeing the next um, group of people as equals. And we're the next ones because we were later, our stuff didn't come into fruition until 1924 when they finally give us our, when they finally gave us our um, citizenship. We, we weren't even Americans, even though we were born here. We were in captivity here. We were on reservation like a zoo. And people would come and look at us and you know, buy our jewelry and take pictures with us. It was like a zoo. And this is what it feels like. And so when we got our freedom, this is what I'm fighting for, is that the understanding that oppression and suppression is wrong. Um, so that's what I'm saying. And so the Republican Party needs to grow out of this straitjacket they wrap themselves in about controlling, controlling candidates. And when they do that, that's when they sell their soul, these candidates that are with the Republican Party. You have to watch very carefully. You watch the ones that are endorsed and the ones that are guided along, the ones that only go to the Republican um, little showings. They're basically like show horses and they kind of trot around and they don't really do anything. And that's what I keep saying is if this was a race, um, which it is, then I am not a show horse. I'm a workhorse. You know, and I'm also, you know, I'm, but I'm still, I'm still a horse. <laughs> so this is what we're looking at right now. And so the Republican Party needs to just stop, and they need to embrace the strongest candidate. They need to embrace the one that's going to whip this one butt in the freaking generals, and they need to embrace the one that's not afraid. They need to embrace the one that's correct because we're standing with the people. The one that's going to commit 100% her life, her heart, her spirit, and, in, and always to have God in there. And so that's what they need to do, but they don't want to there because something is wrong, something is evil, something is happening. And so I'm waiting for them to purge that. And so I, as I'm waiting, I'm working, and I'm going to pick up as many people as I can. All the people who could not have their voices heard who are frustrated with the party, they're the ones that are coming, and they're on our team, and we're building an army, and the army is growing pretty fast. So, yeah, you are running for governor um, and hopefully you will make it through the competition that is the GOP primary. Um, you know, right. like your message is is I, I think it's it's a unique message and it's a message that is unique to New Mexico. Um, you know, not to mention the historic nature of your candidacy, should you not only get the nomination, but become governor. So let's say you are governor elect and stuff like that. Give us your vision for what you're going to do to help New Mexico rise. What are the big issues that when you go from people's state, you know, county to county, precinct to precinct around the state, what are the people telling you and how are you going to kind of allay those fears or at least address their concerns? Right now, the um, the candidate platforms, I'm watching them. A lot of them have like, like three points or a five point. We need to, you know, get these in order and then this is how we're going to save the state. That's a bunch of baloney. As I'm going around the state, 
we have 55 to 65 problems with the state and it's so bad because we have been in oppression and suppression and neglect for so long and from my teacher from my teachings as a navajo woman we're taught um in the winter time about um spider women she's part of our um our teaching of when you're growing into your womanhood and she creates a spider web and what happens is when you touch part of the spider web and the whole um spiderweb will move. So that means that everything is connected. And so you cannot do one thing without doing the other. So you have to basically have solution for every problem in New Mexico. And right now we're looking at the big problems of it. The, the center part of it is the economy and also education. Um, the economy is so bad that the education is, is also so bad because we can't fund the education. We can't get the teachers that, that we need here. We have um, an out of control um, situation where they're now they're teaching critical race theory that people don't even want and that's really bad because that even us three were so different you know talking right here but critical race theory will make us see each other differently and right now sitting here looking at you know all of us speak I don't um, you know think of you any different than me because I just see you as you know people as Americans and so that's important for me but for us to get New Mexico to rise um, we have to hit the economy and we have to hit it hard we have to get our um, major stuff back online our oil and gas our coal our mining um, our cattle industry our agriculture our dairies I mean we have so many things happening in New Mexico that are oppressed right now and we need to set them free um, that also goes to the economy with the red tape which you're calling the grocery seat taxes is needs to go. Um, I'm ready to get rid of that. Um, we need to re reduce taxation because we're overtaxing um, the general population. Even the elderly are being um, taxed to death and literally being taxed in the funeral home again. And uh, we are a part of the funeral industry with our businesses. And so we see how much they're paying for certain things, even to embalm them. They had, the taxation is, is amazingly high. Um, so it's all over the board. And then you got your education part of it. All of our kids are leaving. As soon as they graduate, they get out and they don't even want to come back and they're raising their families. So we are seeing our population decrease so quick. We need to be able to bring everybody back in. So there's a poverty candle I always talk about is dormant. And then poverty has the byproducts, uh, alcoholism, um, drug abuse, domestic violence, you name it. It starts to happen when you're in a poverty stricken area. So in order to get rid of that, you have to light the candle on both sides. Um, so you got your heavy, uh, of course, your heavy big businesses and you also have to reduce the red tape so we get other industry in here so we're not just saying intel 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 is not going to save new mexico we need more industry here maybe manufacturing if we can depending on the byproduct of that manufacturing is safe um second on the other side of the candle is a small business is really huge and that's how we're able to fight your way out of socialism it's an individual empowerment of freedom it's pure freedom um, and we have to reduce the uh, the red tape on that as well and it's really bad it takes a long time to establish your business in New Mexico and when COVID hit a lot of us are wiped out I think 50% of the businesses are gone so you have to empower the population and I believe if we get our population between 11 to 14 percent and our infrastructure has to be built up because now we're seeing ghost towns and the infrastructure is crumbling but if you have good infrastructure with the right price point, people will begin to start businesses now if we get our population up to 11 to 14 percent of our population into the small business and entrepreneurial spiritual realm um, we all hired one to two New Mexicans you will see us wipe out the unemployment rate that would be one of my biggest goals is to beat Trump on his unemployment rate this is pretty tough but I think we could do it if we pull together we actually start enticing people because what I've understood between 25 to like 35 40 people really think about you know what I don't want to be on this hamster wheel my American dream is to really own a business I want to own a car dealership I want to own my own plumbing company I want to do different things the contractors want to we would have so many contractors busting out of New Mexico because the skill level here is really really good but we also aren't supported so the vocational arts also need to be ignited and we need to wrap an education system around the child itself because in the east is different from the child in the southwest as opposed to the northwest um, they want to run the family businesses the family farms um, they want to take over but they're too busy screwing around in school listening to textbooks and common core and liberal beliefs and they're frustrated and when they get out they just want to go and they want to find um, conservative colleges that actually help them produce prosperity and wealth in their life but 
the biggest thing is wealth. We have to be able to produce that. So we have to support the industry and the um, energy industry immensely, and we have to grow the small business um, side of it immensely. And then we have to start to open up and push back the federal government out of our our parks because right now our forestry, um, all of our lumber mills are down. I come from a lumber town and we are completely null and void everything's gone wiped out and right now poverty has taken place so we have gang violence we have um, drug abuse alcoholism that's what i've been talking about this whole time and it's because the industry put everybody in the courthouse and how do you deal with that stress of being in poverty is you check out you want to go gamble you want to go party with your friends and you see it and it becomes a cycle and this cycle has been proven over and over again in indian country so we talk about the democratic policy, whatever they did to the Indian country, they're now doing it to all of America. So now all of America has Indian problems. They're gonna restrict our food. They're coming for us on our energy so you can't move. So basically you're gonna be put on your own reservation. Um, they take away your prosperity so you don't have, to have a way to fight back and then they also disarm you. You're seeing all those policies replay again and no one's saying anything. No one's fighting back as hard as I am because they are coming for all of us. And the 30 by 30 proves it, the Green New Deal proves it. And it's right there in our faces. And nobody is, is screaming about it like the way I was in CD3 when I was running for Congress. But now I'm running for the governorship because you know what, no one's gonna say what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that I'm the smartest and the brightest and I'm gonna go in here and save New Mexico all by myself. No, I'm on the ground and I'm looking for the best and the brightest. I'm, I'm looking for the scientists, the people, the engineers, the people that are educated to the gills. They're the ones, their voices were muffled. So I'm gathering them all up and we're making a solution for New Mexico. So my plan to make New Mexico rise is to empower the people to do it with me. And you have to have someone who's more of a I guess, warrior on the battlefield to actually get it done. Someone that can actually see it coming. And a lot of these people, they, they, they've never seen it because they've never gone through what I've been through. They've never seen what my people have endured. So uh, those experiences are what make me very strong and I'm here to fight for you. So that's basically your your little question you gave me in a nutshell. I mean, I, and, and, and I think anybody can appreciate all of the things you're saying. I mean, it, it's, it does to me, it sounds very much, you know, it's, it's inspired by Donald Trump um, and how he was able to kind of gather people together. His attitude being that he would, he would find people that were better at doing their jobs than he would even understand. That kind of seems where you're coming from. Um, but again, well, I'm not a hydrologist, I'm a welder. So my thing is we have to find people who are qualified in those areas. Because right now all the people that are appointed in this in this the estate positions, they're all there because they were given a uh, an agreement or um, a favor. And they're sitting there and they're doing nothing. So CYDF is a complete mess. But I'm not going to sit here and you know and say that I know all the answers. But yeah, so it might be Dean Donald Trump, yes, but it's also very heavily uh, bathed in common sense and critical thinking and problem solving. Well, yeah, but but again, my my thing is is how do you intend to wield that power? Because I will sit here and I will say. That as good as good hearted as Donald Trump was, and as much as much of the policies that he put into place, in the end, he wasn't particularly good at wielding power. And part of the problem with that was that there was an ingrained establishment that was there. So I guess my question that at that point I become curious. You've said that you know you you're not against moderate Democrats. How do you bring this unity right. in? the Democratic Party, when they've gone so far left, obviously everyone in the media is going to paint you as an extremist and you're so far right. And you have to get that consensus, not only to win the governorship, but to actually govern. Right. And see, uh, the Democratic Party is a very interesting animal. Um, they are calling me, their moderates are calling me. I actually had a conversation with the, um, a guy they labeled the Indian hater. And I went and found him and he said, okay, I'll sit down and have coffee with you. And I asked him the questions and he says, wow, you're the first one that gets it. 
And so they are, there are moderates up there, and they're very smart. And I'm not asking the Democrats to change parties to vote for me. I'm saying I have to fight my own party, basically, to get the nomination, and that's, that's evident. But when I get there into the generals, I'm not speaking anything that these moderates are not wishing for. They're, it's the simplest thing is we are looking for prosperity and protection of our families, the education system. And basically, the, the boxes get checked, and they're all going to be the same boxes. Now, the... the, the I guess what we have to look at is how many boxes can I check for the Democratic Party. Um, I think there's a lot there. I don't believe that they're all evil. I don't. I don't um, label people that way because my parents are still Democrat, um, and it's because it's a traditional and it's a very um, family-oriented way of showing loyalty. And I know that, and I would never get in the way of that. But I do want to hear them, and that's what I've been doing. I've been on the ground. Um, talking to people in the kitchens and drinking, you know, coffee from the water they make because most of these politicians will not drink the water because they don't trust it and they're not willing to put their lives out there for the people. Now, how am I going to will that power? Is power is probably going to be, you know, through God Himself. But I actually look at it, and it's not about wielding power. It's about building up. It's about putting out the dumpster fire that's happening in Santa Fe right now, and it's about getting everything back online. It's also about trimming the fat and making sure you look at that budget and we're not overspending because we're broke right now. And then it's about igniting companies to come in here and making those deals. You have to make those deals so those big companies come on in, and you have to cut the red tape so it's easy for them to come in. So we need to bring people here, even our uh, real estate. It's not even friendly here. It's the worst place to buy a house right now. So we have to look at those things. So I don't look at it as wielding power. I don't look at the governorship as a, a powerful seat. I look at it as a service to the people. So to kind of not to leave the the subject, but yeah, let's let's think about this for a minute. Then, if you're considered uh, Trump to the max, and you're the Trump-like candidate, and you make it through the gauntlet that is the Republican primary. You are, by the grace of God, elected to governor. You, I, I must, I, this is what I kind of, we, we're trying to get at. You do understand once you go to the roundhouse, there is an entrenched bureaucracy there that will do yep. almost any and everything to thwart you at every turn. And basically what kind of Sean was saying, what we've kind of said for a long time in the numerous discussions we've had is, do you understand what you're getting into? Because we believe that the Trump administration did not and why it was hampered for pretty much two thirds of its term was because people within it or people within the bureaucracy that did not like him made his governing um, almost impossible. You, you, you said it yourself. He was not allowed right. to do his job. You do, right. you, you do understand that you're going to need bloody knuckles when you go to the roundhouse. And that's what we want to yes. hear. Right? And that's what you're, probably your voters want to hear. Will you wield the power right. through God? However, are you going to go up to the roundhouse and do what needs to be done? Because it, it will it will be politically ugly. Of course. Okay, so I guess we have to straighten this out. Is that The question is, do I understand? Am I naive? Am I too stupid to really know what I'm getting myself and is what I'm hearing from you? Um, <laughs> if you want to ask about death threats, we'll just get down to it because it's going to get that dirty. Will death threats come and will it hinder me in my direction where I'm going? You know, no, I'm going to keep going. I've already told my kids, you know, I'm not suicidal. My, hub, my husband... <laughs> I'm not suicidal. <laughs> we're going to stay in there. And one thing is I don't want to live in that mansion. I don't know what the heck is in that thing. You know, I know the corruption. I know how bad it is. I know about the bullpen. I know where people go. You know, mm. if I can govern outside of Santa Fe, then I will. But my thing is I want to be able to move and be able to see things for myself. I want to see and talk to the secretaries who watched all this go down. I want to know what happens when certain things happen, like, like you bring in a uh, amount of money and you have to track it. And all of a sudden you, you don't see an audit and then the money just kind of disappears and goes somewhere else. We're going to follow the money and we're going to chase it. Yes, it is a deep swamp. I know that, but when I talk to these people, people don't want to talk about things They're like, oh, no, um, I'll call you or I'll meet you in person because nobody wants to be reported. Nobody wants. I don't care because I have nothing to hide. Second thing is you should ask all these other candidates. The same thing is if you get death threats, are you really going to stick it out? You know, mm -hmm. are you going to sit there and really be? Yeah, I'm going to carry. 
and all my staff is going to be required to carry. So yes, I understand that. And will the power? Yes. If I have to fire somebody, yes, I will do it to get the job done. We need to make sure that we are on task consistently because I do believe in term limits because I have, if I can win this thing, I have a ticking time clock, which means I'm working seven Seven days a week, most, most you know, most days, unless it's a holiday, um, because what we're going through right now is something that is horrific and it's evil. And I have been dealing with this already because now that I'm coming and I know that I'm getting closer, when you start asking the right questions, especially when there's laundering of money happening, and you start following the money, and I've been doing this for 25 years. Now you have to ask yourself, why did Joe Biden come here into New Mexico? And the first thing she did is go to Navajo Nation, right here in the town that I'm in, in Winter Rock. No one's asking those questions. I'm going to ask those questions, and I'm going to find those answers. And now it's going to scare people, and that's why the attacks are happening consistently. We get them in our emails. We get people laughing at me, saying, well, I don't think she really gets it. No, I get it. And I'm not saying enough. But I know what Trump went through, and I know what he was trying to do, and that swamp is deep. I know that. And so we have to be prepared for that. But my question is, who's going to stand with me? You know, people want to analyze me and judge me and ask me hard questions. But my question is, when I invite you in to stand with me, they say, oh, yeah, we're with you. But then they, 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 they take off, and they're gone. I just got another email laughing at me, and this guy wanted to be my campaign manager. As soon as he found whatever out because I wasn't going to budge and he took off. And so I'm like, okay, I'm understanding how New Mexico works. It's dirty since the inception of the state. When you go all the way back to the purchasing, to the first governors, they were all business people. And those business people were supposed to supply the Indian concentration camps. We didn't have to suffer that hard. They were supposed to provide the food and, and all the textiles. They wrote fake invoices, so to speak, to the, to the government to get paid. Meanwhile, we got nothing. We got, you know, terrible, um, you know, meat that was crawling in, in our language. They said that the meat would actually move on its own. And so did the, all of the, the flour and the different um, wheat that came in. It was all moving because it was full of weevils and it was the, the, the season before. And it's because that kind of corruption was here. If you go to Lincoln County, to the actual courthouse, and you, you look in that whole area, you start to understand, wow, these guys were Freemasons too. It has been going on since the beginning. And if you don't understand this, then you have no business running for this position. Because you know what? If you're not from here and you're coming from somewhere else and you want to represent me and my family, no. The only way I will leave if there's someone else that is stronger than me, somebody else that wants to lead me and understands what's the treachery on the other side of that, then, yeah, I'll get out of this race. I'll let you do it. But from right now, I'm still in this race because they keep running these horses that are kind of in the game, but not really. But no one's saying what needs to be said. And so, yeah, it's pretty frustrating. Yes. Well said. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Because that, I mean, that's because, yeah, that's what kind of we 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 kind of been around we, we do somewhat beat around the bush sometimes it's like you know yeah you know we get candidates on here to say they're going to do x they're going to do y they're going to do z yeah. but as as time has moved on and i as i've also um through activism moved in and out of like the political system scene like well i don't really think people understand like what's going on you to me seem like you get it so and that that, that to oh, yeah. me is very refreshing particularly because you're a native right like you know i wouldn't yeah. dare run for governor i'm I'm just some interloper who've been here for like 20 years, but yeah, I can I can understand why it's it would be somewhat frustrating for someone who's from here uh, right. to be. And one thing I want to also iterate is that because I'm so passionate, um, some people want to identify that as emotional. Oh, she's too emotional. No, okay. I'm actually very emotionally intelligent. I know when it, it you know where how things feel and I know exactly what I'm saying, where I'm going. And that's the power that's in me. And I've been very gracious enough to kind of sit back and be very calm. Um, only once in a while it'll spark. But when I get into the floor on the debate of the floor, I mean, you will see, uh, see me roar. I think that we need a governor that can wield that power, especially in whip these legislatures, you know, in, in, in line. Because the stuff that they're putting through, it's, it's ridiculous. Have you, did you guys read that wildlife bill? You know, section one, you know, the wildlife, you know, da, 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 hunting, permitting, all this stuff. And then section two, pedophiles. I mean, they are running crazy legislation and it's not that hard. 
but I have to be that governor that will come down the, the elevator and basically rip into them and tell them, what do you think you're doing? And I will veto that thing so fast before that ink dries because this is how we have to stand and protect ourselves and protect the people because they're, that's what they call the pork, I guess, but it's actually very, very, um, it's, it's terrible. It really is. I just want to make sure that I don't come off thinking, oh, she's, she's bananas. No, people want to say whatever they want about emotion. But the fact is that if you look around at what's going on in this country and it doesn't make you emotional from time to time, uh, you know, yeah, you don't have a heart, right? Amen. <laughs> right. You, you know, this Amen. is, it's, it's what sways elections is what gets people to polls. It's what's get people's passionate about candidate. It is emotion for the most part. We don't like to say that, right? Because we believe that emotions unfair, you know, there are some downsides. Emotions unfettered can do terrible things, but let's let's keep it real. It is what's going to get people to the polls. It's what's people? It's what's get? It's what's going to get people to, you know, canvas for a candidate, knock on doors, um, and even even admit that they vote for someone like you, right? Because they're going to face retribution, social retribution right. in a form of well, why are you voting for you know so and so and stuff like that. Particularly, um, I find in this state, right? And you, you're right. There are a lot of the kind of Democrats, you know, salted earth type of people who, you know, yes. are voting for the Democrat Party by default, but they don't, that, that party has, and particularly in this state, particularly in Santa Fe, has long left, like, the things that would have would have made them, like, right of center today. Correct. The JFK Democrats and the Ronald yeah. Reagan Democrats. Yes, and those are the people I actually resonate with. Um, being who I am is something that's very historical. Um, I can I can see and, and understand what happened a long time ago. And when you govern and you legislate, you're not supposed to legislate for today. You're supposed to think about the generations to follow, the generations to come, especially uh, examples of the gun bills. They want to restrict for today because they can't get the criminals under control, right? But I think that we don't know what's going to happen in the future, so it's really important that we do not cripple or hinder some, uh, a good governor or the good, you know, however governors are up there. And then also people, um, the, the right to, to bear arms because we don't know what technology is going to come down the pipeline, what we really need to do. Uh, so I, I find it's really important that we do not legislate for today, but we try to uh, put out the fires and work hard to recorrect with what we have. And I think we need to clean up because I think they're just running bills through sometimes. I'm thinking, how many laws do we really need? They're, it's just endangering our um, our prosperity and our freedoms. Um, I think so. And, and also with the whole emotional aspect, um, I'm so truthful that it's really important that um, when we debate, that the Republican Party, a lot of them are like, oh, we need to play nice. We're going to do forums. We're going to put a time on it. We're going to have a moderator and um, so that we can all see these candidates. My thing is that they're not working hard enough and they don't know the candidates and it's their fault. When I go into a debate, I'm not going to do any debates or forums until the spring because my truth is so hard that I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm going to play nice and not sling mud and I'm going to go for the jugular every time. So that's, that's exactly where I'm standing because you know what? I'm sick of the corruption. I'm sick of these people, you know, tiptoeing around subjects. And so that it's important that we understand exactly where I'm coming from. But yeah, so that's what my answer is, I guess, for that one. This is more of a discussion at some point. I know we yeah. had questions over here, but the, you're, the thing is you have a tendency to answer them long before they're ever asked. And I think that that's something about you. You do resonate well with the grassroots. And regardless of how people think about that, that's it's, it's something I've seen. I mean, you did come out of nowhere. You did get almost 30% of the vote in CD3. And when right. you look at the margins of your loss, it, you know, it's, it really wasn't that much. It was a really tight race. Um, so as we kind of wrap to a close, I think, we, I think we got you fired up, which, you know, it's, it's good. It's good. But, but, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier missing and murdered indigenous women. Oh, and, yeah. You know, that, that probably plays into some of your passion as well. I mean, you see that out on the reservation. Maybe other people aren't as aware of that. I, I figured we could just give you a chance to really speak about that for people who may not be 
aware of what's going on with that and, and elaborate on it a bit. Okay, well, um, from our studies with my daughters, we kept asking, you know, how many girls are we going to lose? And see, I run a flower shop. We're actually here in my flower shop today. And we have a whole stack of tickets um, of young ladies that have gone missing um, that were out and about and they just disappeared or they're with their friends um, and they came, but they, their bodies turned up. It could be immediately or years down the road. Most of them are closed caskets. And so we do a floral arrangement that covers the whole casket. So that's how I was able to understand and identify. So I was following this for the past 10 years. When the families would come in, I was um, you know, talking to the fathers and the mothers and they're always so um, emotionally torn because they never thought they'd have to buy flowers for their children. And I don't know how many, Tears I wiped up off my counters because and the people that fainted in my store and it's where the emotion really comes from. After my 100th burial of one of these girls, their bodies are brought back from California, Texas, Mexico. I mean, they're taken all over the place. The the research is is that Native American women are the most sought after um, females, and they're easy to abuse because they're uh, they. The fact that I guess we're Native Americans and we're precious, so it's, it, they want to abuse us. Um, we can fit any fantasy. So my daughters, when they were reading this stuff and they were sharing and they were researching, it says that they can be anything that these um, people want them to be. They, they can be um, Hispanics. Um, they can be Hawaiians. They can dress them up as um, even Asians. They can dress them up as anything and fit any fantasy. So the price tag on our heads are really, really, really high. That's why I also believe in the Second Amendment, you know, wholeheartedly. Um, so after the 100th burial, I broke down, and that's when I started advocating for it, um, and no one was talking about it. But we did get our vice president to take it up to um, Donald Trump, and he was able to listen to it. So now there's a way for us to get investigation. There still isn't justice. Um, no one is, really wants to touch it because they can't, because they're not Native Americans. If the Natives can't get it done because they're not heard, then how does it get done? So I have to push, I guess, legislation, which I'm going to do before I'm even elected. Um, I'm trying to label us as endangered species because... <laughs> I mean, we are 0.001% of the population here in, in America, and we are sought after, and we are losing girls left and right at gas stations, truck stops. And a lot of us have to work off the reservation because there's no jobs here, so we have to travel. So we go to these places, and that's where a lot of girls are picked up, and they're ambushed, they're driven off the road. Um, sometimes they're sold, those are the unfortunate ones, when they're sold by their own family members for drugs, alcohol. Um, they're sold by their friends, you know, so they can get whatever fix they need. And so this is really um, a story that needs to be told, and it's something that I need to carry and, and, and bring into the light. And it's scary. Um, it's heartbreaking, and it's, it's hard not to talk about and not cry and break down because when I'm talking about it, all the families that came through my shop, I flash, they flash in my head, and I know the heartbreak. So, yeah, it's, it's a big deal, and it's something that needs to be handled, and it's something that's part of New Mexico. It's big in New Mexico and the fact that New Mexico candidates can't even talk about it because they're not native. Um, it, it should be an aspect that's also, you know, put forth to them. Yeah. yeah wow. That's, that's, that's somber. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah no, this is, this is why it doesn't get talked about probably because, you know, here we are live and I, I have nothing good to say about any of that. And it's no. something that no, has to be dealt with. It has to be addressed. We had a good friend of, of one of the other shows we do that would come on, and that was always his major issue. And, and it is a major issue. And people need to recognize that it's going on. And so, you know, I, for one, I appreciate you continuing to make and it. And it's an actual aspect that goes both sides of the aisle. And so it, it, it can go back and forth. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty unique issue. All right. Well, on that note, thank you, Karen, for coming on. Thank you for your passion. Um, best of luck in this. Um, and please, yeah, for you know, keep advocating for this um, because there, there, there are many aggrieved minorities uh, across this land, but in our particular land, the land of enchantment, and we, we definitely have to do our best to protect, empower, and, and, and seek justice. So keep up. Keep doing what you're doing, and, and again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was great to see you again, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. I'm around. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, <it'll> be good. <laughs> but Take oh, care. I try. I try. <laughs> I try. Well, 
thoughts it's heavy very and i'm kind of one of the more uh, more passionate of the candidates we will have more candidates we hope going forward as we kind of get into this but that was uh that was good and and, and i and i do feel i i feel a little guilty about pushing on, on the on the fact but like if someone understands yeah what what with the battle that's ahead um and i think a lot of these kind of people who have come up through the MAGA movement i think after seeing what has happened to Donald Trump and really a lot of their federal legislatures and stuff, uh, legislators going forward who have been supporters of Donald Trump. I think we need more people who now understand how to get bloody knuckles. Sure. So that's, that's something for me where it's, you know, I've, I've talked about it a lot. I'm, I'm not a Republican, not a natural born Republican. I don't, I, I don't aspire to be one, but what I do aspire to do is take care of the very real problems that we are facing. Yeah. Not not only nationally, but very much so in New Mexico. And uh, to me, that's the best way to keep New Mexico rising. Bulldogs. Uh, anyway, so look, look um, the next week um, we'll have um, Audrey Trujillo um, as we kind of close out uh, for, for New Mexico rising. So, yeah, tune in. Stay, stay tuned. We're making moves. Podcasts are coming. We promise. Just have to work and, some things and if out. If any of you have Baca's number... Yeah. Make sure to call him and tell him not to abandon us again. Well, in light of the fact that um, maybe hold off on calling Baca until that blows phone up. Yeah. Yeah. But then we blow his phone up. So with that said, guys, it's been another edition of New Mexico Rising. We'll see you next week. Audrey Trujillo coming up. Thanks.